0: holding us in bondage you know the children of Israel as I said last week they found themselves they ended up in slavery they found themselves in Egypt because of you know Joseph was sold into slavery and he was put down into Egypt and so in order to help out God he Joseph was sent there to be a deliverer God he was sent there to help them and so, can I tell you that uh, it doesn't matter where we find ourselves today, no matter what kind of situation that we're in, that God is, God is there, He is there to help us to get us out of that situation. And that is the thing that we want to look at today, that, you know, in this world, there are times that whether we, we just don't realize what we're facing Uh, somehow we get overtaken, we just just happen into this, or, you know, for whatever reason we find ourselves in a place that if we ask the Lord, that God is able to help us. Amen. Exodus 15, verses 1 and 2 says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath Triumph gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. Verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. That is our focus verse today. We're finding out that the children of Israel, once they were delivered, they were ready at that time, that they were they were on fire for God, and that uh, Miriam, she sang this song unto Jesus or unto, unto God that day. And so she was there. She is singing that the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Can I tell you that that God becomes whatever it is that we need? If we need healing, he's become my healer salvation he's become my salvation. God is all things God is everywhere He has become all things to whatever we need in in this life. His word of God tells us that if we are in need of deliverance Amen. he is our deliverer. if we find ourselves somehow entrapped in some kind of opioids or, or drugs or whatever it is we know that God is able to deliver us Amen. because he is the deliverer God has all power He has all authority. You know, God God sees all. He knows all. Yes, and so it is with him that we have a we have a way out. We have hope. Yes, yes. Amen. We have hope today. Our lesson connection today, there's a story, and it's a very good lesson today. This story says that Marcus, it says we'll never forget when he first met Randy. Marcus was teaching Bible school at the time. And he and Randy were in a couple of the same classes. It says Randy was certainly not a traditional student, that he was almost 30 years old. While most of his classmates were teenagers or in their early 20s, his clothes were nice but not expensive. He was quiet and reserved and not the first person to speak up. Academically, he was certainly not the best student in class, but he was the hardest worker. He spent countless hours in the library receiving special tutoring just to eke out C's in his class. You know, if that's somewhere I I can relate to that as far as, you know, you don't always get it every time. Not everybody, we're not all made on the same level. You know, he, 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 was, he was a hard worker, this man here. He was, he was a tough, you know, there are people that work hard today, and they've got to really struggle to get to where they are, and they've got to put forth a great effort. But there are others that, for some reason, they, they have the intelligence, they have that ability in them that it just seems like everything flows. But sometimes, and I've been that way, that I've always ha- seemed like I've always learned the hard way. Anybody else can identify with that? It's like, you know, when I face something, I, I have to learn the hard way. And I'm like, sometimes I have said this, God, can I at least learn something in an easy way? You know, instead of having to go through it hard every time, and, you know, it's like to learn how to do something, you've got, you've got to have injury or you got to, you know, you, you, I always say that if I'm going to build something with wood, I need to buy a couple extra pieces. Because the first few pieces of wood, I'm going to do it wrong and I learn off of that. I learned by my mistakes. I learned by hardship. I learned, you know, as I was growing up. I learned by by making those mistakes. But thank God I had somebody that believed in me, much more than I believed in myself. You know, I had a guy that that helped me when I was a teenager. I grew up around his boys. When I needed a job, he gave me a job. You know, what what you know, his his wife helped a wife go to nursing school. He she wrote a letter. You know, we need friends like this in our life. We need somebody that, that is willing to put out and try to help somebody. You know, give them a hand up. I'm not looking for a handout. You know, I I don't want you to just hand me something, you know. I don't I don't want just a meal for today but teach me something the word that I can apply it to my life. Just like another man showed me how to grow a garden when I was like 22, 23 years old. He said, here's the tiller. I've got the ground. Here's the seed. He had everything that I needed. You know, we were struggling. You know, anybody else ever struggled before? You know it's when you struggle, you 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 figure out a way. When I'm struggling, I got to figure out now how am I going to get through this? And you look for somebody that might offer you an opportunity to get out of the hole that you're in. Everybody you, you ever been in a hole before? You know, I've been there before. I've dug holes. You know, literally I you know, that was you know, the, the, the work that I did, I mean, it, it was shoveling coal. I grew up in eastern Kentucky in the coal mines. And you worked in order to get yourself out of the situation that you're in. But there were other times I got myself into bad situations through my life as a young person. But can I tell you that, that God made a way, that God, God, God helped me to get out of that. And these these Egyptian children here that we're going to talk about today, they found themselves, they they were born in Egypt. They were 430 years, you know, Joseph and them, Jacob, you know, they, they had went into Egypt. These people were there, but their descendants, these that we're reading about today that, you know, they, they had already been there. They, they didn't walk down in there themselves, but they were brought down into Egypt. They were born in Egypt. We are born in this world. The Bible says we are not of this world if we can be born again of Jesus Christ. But we're born, you know, the Bible talks about born in sin and shaping in iniquity. You know, we find ourselves sometimes in a situation in a home setting to word that we need somebody to help us. And so in this story about this guy named Randy, so it says that Randy moved to the area to attend college, and he began attending the same church that this man named Marcus attended. Randy immediately formed a special connection with the pastor. Not long after Randy arrived, the pastor invited him to preach a main service. He stumbled Through the Scripture reading, and it was clear that reading was not his strong suit. and says that he got lost in his notes and was sometimes hard to follow. However, while few could recall the title of his sermon or the text from which he preached, everyone seems to remember Randy telling the story of his conversion. Tears flowed down his cheeks. His voice began to tremble, but he spoke with confidence and conviction. And so this is his story. He says, just a few years ago, I was homeless. I was pushing shopping carts for a living at a grocery store in a little town in the middle of nowhere. I would spend my days pushing carts in front of the store in my evenings and nights behind the store, doing any drug I could get my hands on. All my friends were alcoholics. They were smokers and drug addicts. Then one day I was laying in the grass by the store when a man approached me and began to tell me about Jesus. The man told me that I didn't have to live that way anymore, that I could be free from all my addictions That night, He gave me a ride to church, and I was so desperate that I went down to the altar, raised my hands, and prayed for deliverance. That night, God filled me with the Holy Ghost and instantly freed me from all my addictions. I never smoked, drank, or did drugs again, and I never had a desire to either. Not only did God set me free, but he shielded me from any withdrawals god showed me that day he is stronger than any addiction or sin that i would try to keep me or that would try to keep me in bondage now i will never stop telling the story of how god delivered me he set me free and it says that he can set you free too I mean, I, bl- I believe that we can relate to this story. Whether or not when we grew up that we <clears throat> did drugs, uh, no matter what it was we found ourselves into, sin is sin. No big sin, no little sin. Sin is sin. You know, it, it, God can, as He said, God can deliver us from all things. But sometimes, as I said, we find ourselves in a situation I know, as I said last week, how do I get out of it? You know, they always say the first thing that a person that has a problem they first have to realize that they have a problem. You know, we can lie to ourselves, and we can say, "I don't have a problem. I don't." I, there's nothing wrong with me. But you know, when we really find out, is when we get alone by ourselves. And if we just be open with God and say, God, I got a problem. Whether it's sin, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's cigarettes. You know, nowadays, you know, in California and other places, marijuana is legal. My daughter works for a company. She's in the HR department. And so she does some of the hiring. And some of the people that fail the drug test... It's marijuana, but it's in California, and the lady asked her. She was telling me, said, the lady asked her, said, why is it illegal if it's legal here in California? She said, because our company does not recognize that. You know, here's a lady that is in California. The law says it's okay, but then this business, which is in Missouri, says that that is not in our policy of hiring. Look, we can say what we want, but we but we've got to understand that there is a problem. Whether the, the U.S. says it's legal or the government or whatever, we got to look to to God. We got to look. What does God say about some things in our life? You know, uh, these people, as I say, they were born in Egypt. They were born in slavery. I mean, uh, you know what they were looking at. There was false gods that was in Egypt. So, our, in our looking at our lesson today. I want to read uh, Exodus chapter 7 and verses number uh, 14 through 24. Our our first part is going to talk about the plagues exposed Egypt's false gods. So if you have have a Bible and you want to follow along with me, chapter 7 and verse number 14, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuseth to let the people go. Get the... Unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come. And the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand, and thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto Thou wouldest not hear. Verse 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto unto Aaron, Take thy rod and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them, as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink. For they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled. After that, the Lord, after that the Lord had smitten the river. So we find that, you know, Egypt is finding themselves in a hard place. You know, water is something that that every our body has to have. You know, the water does a lot. It 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 flushes out our system. You know, it cleanses us. You know, it hydrates us. It allows, you know, our our organs to function. So water you know, God's seeing this, you know, and God is wanting to deliver the, the, the Hebrews. He's wanting to deliver. And so, but, but can we understand that in Egypt there was false gods? There was a God that was of this water. The first plague turned the Nile River that we learned last week in the Nile River was what Moses came out of. He was placed in a basket and was put in the Nile River. And so Pharaoh's daughter saved him, brought him out, and he, he, and he was raised up in Pharaoh's house there. And so this first plague, you know, the Nile River, it was turned into blood. And so it destroyed the primary water source, and it killed all the fish. You know, even fish, they can't survive. You know, anything, you know, we can't survive on. We need the blood. We, our body needs blood. But it has to be separate from the water. You know, for it to flow, for your blood to flow through your veins, you know, it, it, it ha- God made a way for it to flow throughout the body. God made a way for the water to, to help us and to, and to cleanse us, as I said. And so it was that uh, Moses and, and Aaron, you know, when he, he put out his rod and the water turned to blood, it says that. The Egyptians, they used dark magic. Can I tell you that Moses and Aaron, all they, all they had was a rod. They, 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 they relied upon God. When they smote the waters, that was God doing it. The magicians used black magic. They used enchantment. And so it was that, that they, they used the powers that they were used to, which was different you know, than, than what we do. Pharaoh's magicians... They cast it down. It was black magic. The water changed to blood. The look, the taste, it was the texture of blood. And I thought it was not merely discolored. You know, we've all drank Kool-Aid before, red Kool-Aid. Can I tell you, if it had been Kool-Aid, if it had been just something colored, if it had been just the dirt, maybe red coloring from the dirt, the fish, they could have lived off of that because we drink Kool-Aid. But blood is something that, you know, when blood is there that you see it, you know, we, 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 we won't ingest it. You know, it killed the fish. The fish need oxygen. You know, they have gills, you know, and how that they breathe. You know, they were able to turn that into oxygen into their life. And so the fish, they died. You know, they, they became a, a, a stench, you know, a stink. They stank. Can you imagine? He done this in front of Pharaoh who saw this happening. Pharaoh every morning would come out to the river, it says, and so God is telling Moses, you know, when he comes out, you go out to where he's at, and you do this. You tell him, I want you to let my people go. But we know that God was going to harden Pharaoh's heart because God is seeking to get glory. God has a strong suit in that. God is trying to show the Egyptian people, to show Pharaoh, that they're false gods. Could not save them. These false gods that they worshiped, they were not going to, to cleanse what God has done. That they, they could they could make blood, these these magicians, but they could not clear up the water. Notice that they didn't they did not bring clear water, they couldn't reverse what God did. Man can't reverse what God does when God does something. He does it, and it is there forever. When God speaks His Word, when God's Word says something, we can trust His Word. We know that when God delivers us, that God we, He has delivered us, and that there is no thing that can come against us as long as we stay true to God. As long as I stay praying and I stay talking to God, you know that, that God is going to protect us. And so it is that there is a God of the water and its name, I'm going to tell you how it's, I probably can't pronounce it right, H-A-P-I. This is the Nile River God and was declared to stand alone. This was this God, this is what's being. It was supposed to stand alone and it was self-created. This Nile God was to be the father of all the gods. Short G, the chief of the waters. So and was to be great of all good things, the Lord of terrors and of choicest joys. So this Nile River God H A P I, happy, happy, yeah can't pronounce it. Number one, it doesn't matter because they're not a god. It's a small g, so it doesn't really matter. They don't mean, that doesn't mean nothing to me, but these people that was living in Egypt, they thought that this god, this small letter g god was over this river and no doubt they put all their trust, they were taught this as a youth, you know, just as somebody might come to church all their life and they're taught about Jesus Christ and His goodness and His mercy and how that He loves you. These people were taught in Egypt, a type of the world, they were taught that this God would, 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 would take care of you, that this God is stronger, you know, it is more powerful. You know these, But God is out to prove them wrong. You know, with him doing this, he is out to prove to the Egyptians, to Pharaoh, you know, to the servants of Pharaoh, that I'm going to turn this river into blood and there's nothing you can do about it. You ever been in a situation before where that, uh, I know that we we all have, you, you find yourself in a situation and you say, the, uh, there's no way out of this for me. There's nothing that I can do. There's no way out. There's, there's nothing that I can do. I'm stuck in this, but we're not. You know, we, we are not, you know. In a, <clears throat> excuse me. So it says that uh, in, in Exodus chapter 8, verses number 16. Exodus 8, 16. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod. And smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice. But they could not. So there was lice upon man and upon beast. So we see that, that this plague that was come out with this, that the Egyptians tried to do it, but they could not. You know, there, there was some of the things, you know, the first two or three that, you know, the Egyptians, they could do. You know, and the second plague that come about was frogs. And in this, you know, the frogs, they were a sacred animal to the Egyptians Uh, It had a God. The frog had a, it was H-E-K-A was the frog-headed goddess. This was a goddess that had the head of a frog. You know, we've all seen frogs. We've all seen, you know, things that, uh, you know, to me, like a frog just hops around. You know, a frog comes out of the water. A frog is just a frog. It's, there's nothing, you know, other than, you know, there are some people, my dad would eat the frog legs, you know. I, I never did. I never had a taste for it. Maybe some people do, you know. They they would eat the frog legs, you know, and there, there's a lot of things that people eat, and that's okay if that's what they like. A lot of people eat a lot of different things, you know, and, you know, if they enjoy it, that's okay. But it says that the frogs, uh, excuse me, they were in the house. Uh. They were everywhere. It says they were in the bedchambers. They were in the beds. They were in the houses of the servants. They were upon the people. Uh, they were in the ovens, the kneading troughs, where they made bread. Can you imagine in your home, these frogs just, just coming in everywhere, you know, and you're trying to make make a meal, you know, and so, but you open up the oven door and frogs are there. You open up, you know, you, you say, well, I'm going to go to bed. And you see nothing but frogs. You know, there's frogs, there's frogs, there's frogs. But, you know, we know that the frogs, this was something that was brought on. And so the Egyptian people, they had to realize that, that this was something that came on from God. And so that is not something that was compatible because it said that the Egyptian people, they were a clean people. You know, it said that they were clean. Cleanliness was one of their ways of life. They they, they like to be clean. Can you imagine in your home that you've just cleaned it up, and then all of a sudden a rush of frogs come in? And you're like, where did this come from? But we understand that this came from, uh, from God dealing with these people, that, that God is trying to set them free. Uh, Exodus 8. Verses 1 through 15, I might have got a little ahead of myself on the Scripture there. Let me go back and read it and make it right. It says, and the in Exodus, yeah, Exodus 8 and 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the rivers shall bring forth frogs abundantly. We shall go up and come into thine house and into thy bedchambers and upon thy bed and into the house of thy servants, upon thy people and into thy ovens and into thy uh, kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come upon both thee and upon thy thy people and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee, for thy servants and for thy people, and to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Now this is Pharaoh said tomorrow. Why not today? You know, is is Pharaoh worried about his people? When I look at this, you know, all these frogs are, you know, they're in the house. They're everywhere. They're in the oven, the bed. You know, just everywhere. And if these frogs had taken over, and, and Moses says to Pharaoh, when do you want me to ask God to deliver you from these frogs, to put them back in the river? And he says, tomorrow. You know, what's wrong with today? You know, sometime, sometimes in our life we think, Tomorrow is when I will deal with my situation. Tomorrow. You know, if we're not careful, we'll keep putting things off and putting things off. And as we know, they say, tomorrow never comes. You know, if we keep putting it off, it does nothing but increases. It gets worse. It gets worse. And so these frogs, I thought in reading this, why would not Pharaoh say today? Have God do it today. You know, but we know that God hardened Pharaoh's heart you know, these frogs, they came out of the water. And so Moses, he goes back to God and he entreats God for the people and for them, you know, to get relief from the frogs. You know, I, I can't imagine there just being frogs, you know, thousands or, you know, ever. How many frogs would be there? I mean, to walk and you step and there's frogs everywhere. I remember i done pest control years ago. The stink the yeah when they when they died, you know, when he you know to bring them back, they died, but I can remember us doing pest control, and we went into this restaurant, we went at night, and we fogged it they they had roaches real bad, this was in North Carolina, not in Tennessee, <laughs> make you feel a little better, all right, but we went to this I'm not going to tell you what kind of restaurant it was, I'm not i but anyway, the thing was this, we, they, they have machinery, they have this machine, they put the chemical in it, and it sends up a fog, and it fogs that whole building. We had masks on, you know, we had a uh, suit, you know, on to cover us, you know, we had gloves, you know, we was covered from head to toe. So they fogged this restaurant, and just a matter of time, roaches started falling out of the ceiling. Everywhere that I stepped, I was stepping on roaches, hearing them crunch under my feet. And I'm like, you know, I was in training. You know, they sent me there for training. And they used it, you know, this, this restaurant had it bad, but they used it for training. And it was going to help the restaurant. I couldn't imagine how many... I couldn't believe how many roaches fell out of the ceiling and started coming out of the woodwork, you know, and just, just coming out. Can you imagine frogs being that way? And all you see is these frogs. And like I say, you you you, you, you just want to be able, you know, to, to make a meal or to do whatever, you know. At first, you know, the first plague was blood, so you had no water. And then there was frogs that came out of the water, and so you're still... You're handicapped because you can't clean. You can't do your normal chores, you know. And you got, honey, can you get the broom? There's frogs. Can you get a shovel? There's too many. We can't do it. But the magicians, you know, they, they all, you know, like I said, there was, there was a frog. They, they, this, these frogs, there was a God. You know, they had like a God for everything. Small energy, you know, a God that, that really couldn't do anything. But it was a so-called God. And so it said that this, this God who was uh, H-A-K-E was a frog. It was, a, it was like a, a statue that had the head of a frog on it. And that was what they worshipped. They bowed to it. They, you know, they expected it to do something. Can you imagine getting down like we would? or saying a prayer to this frog, but then you've got all these frogs. Could they kill them? These people couldn't because they were Egyptians. To them, these these frogs was a god. So they couldn't kill them, but it took God doing it. You know, when Moses went back, you know, like I say, Pharaoh, you know, he said tomorrow, not today, tomorrow do it. And so, you know, our next, the third one was the lice, and I apologize, I would already read that. It was lice, and some in commentaries that said also that some interpreted that in, in in this this writing that it could be gnats, lice or gnats. You know gnats. You know, I've never had the lice, so I've never had to deal with it. But gnats. I have had to deal, you know, they get to flying around your face, you know, and if they're everywhere, you you know, you're slapping at them, you're trying to do something, you know. So God, you know, he brings this this third plague, you know, a plague that he's bringing on is l- uh, lice or gnats. You know, I, I might, I don't know, I might rather have the n- the gnats than the lice. I don't know. I've heard that lice is pretty bad, but gnats can be so bothersome that what are you going to do when you've got so many? You know, you, you go out into the yard or somewhere and, uh, you know, I walk sometimes in the, uh, as I said before, in the forest up there and you get around some of the lake where it's rain and some of them lakes, you know, you have gnats that just start, they just flying around, you know, and I spray off on me, you know, to walk. That way it keeps them away. Sometimes they're, they're still moving around, but they're not getting on me. You know, these Egyptians... Uh, they were not allowed, or they, they didn't have a way to get rid, you know, of these lice or the, or the gnats. Uh, let me find my place here. Uh, that was uh, Exodus 8, uh, 16 through 19. And I'll just and the, and the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so, for Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust to the earth and it became lice in man and in beast and all the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt and the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice but they could not and you might say thank God that they couldn't do it because what God put on on them was enough right i mean he's trying to deliver he's trying to to let these egyptians see that these gods that you're trusting they cannot do what I can do. I am stronger. God is trying to show them. He's trying to show Pharaoh, your so-called gods, little gods with a G, that are uh, that are no kind of a god. They are not able to deliver you. So these plagues they reminded them that God was still in control and working for the deliverance. <clears throat> you know, they you know they have to see these things that. We face trials today. There are trials that we face today that reminds us and tells us that God is in control. That that the enemy the enemy is not powerful over God. He wants us to think that. He wants us to think that, you know. Yeah, you might be delivered from this, but but I'm gonna put you back in. No, you're not. As long as God says I'm not, you know. It, if God says, I'm free, I'm free. He that the Son is set free is free indeed. You know, that, that's the truth of the matter. That's truth. That's not false. You know, these gods that they were believing in were false gods. These were not gods. So the plagues made the Lord known to Egypt. They're finding out that, hey, this, this God of the Hebrew children, they brought about blood. They turned the water into blood. And, and I thought one thing that I read about, you know, it talked about the, that even if they had water stored up, drinking water, if it was in a vessel, if it was in something like this, that it, still, it was still blood because it talked about pots of stone and pots of wood, that they had this in their home. And even though you had it stored up and you might say to your family, look, 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 they're in the closet, you know, we've got, we've got bottled water. And then you go to look at it, it's blood. Everywhere they looked, it was blood. It was blood. It was blood. You know, and so it is that, that with these, with these uh, plagues that God put upon them, there was nothing that the Egyptian goddesses or, or the small letter G could do about it. So the plagues made the Lord known unto Egypt. God used the plagues to demonstrate Himself as real and powerful in the lives of the Egyptians, the ten plagues also helped God. Help make God known to the Israelites, and the plagues reminded them that God was still in control. This next one says, "I will fear and believe the Lord." Exodus 14 and verse uh, 31. 14 and verse 31. 14 and 31. I'm trying to hurry. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. So the people saw what God was doing. The Hebrews saw that, that God made a difference. The Lord, you know, that He was working them. So it said the, that they saw great work that God did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord. So fear, you know, we, we come to that. You know, we the Bible talks about don't fear what man can do to you. It says, fear God. You know, man can only kill you, destroy your, your body here. You know, he, you, you can die out. But it says, to fear God who is able to destroy both body and soul. You know, God is able, to, you know, when, when God destroys somebody, they're destroyed. But can I say, on the other hand, when when God gives somebody life, there is life. You know, what God, did, what God does, you know, it, it makes a matter. It makes a difference. And so they they, they they were realizing they needed to fear God. This type of fear, you know, it doesn't mean that they were scared or anxious about what God might do. In this context, to fear God means to revere and respect God with a sense of awe and wonderment. When I'm praying, I don't, I'm not fearful of what, when I'm praying and I'm asking God to move in my life, I'm not fearful of what God might do. Because I'm trusting in Him. I know that God looks for what is best for me. God looks at what is best for my family. God looks at what is best, you know, for His people. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be healed. God wants there to be love in your life. God wants you to have the best. So I'm not afraid when I go to pray. I'm not afraid to ask God, Lord, I want you to search me, God. I want you to help me, God. And if God sees anything in me that is not right, I want Him to get it out of me. I want God to deliver me. Just like He was going to deliver these these Hebrew children that found themselves, nothing what they did, it was their ancestors that that moved into Egypt. Just as we're born from our mom and dad, we find ourselves in a world that even, you know, as, as we keep living, it is much crazier than when we were children, right? I mean, the, the kids today, the people today, they're facing a lot more things that, than, than we did. And they need God to deliver them. They need God's hand upon their life. Amen. So it said that revere means to honor and admire profoundly and respectfully. So, revere. We revere God. We honor God. We praise God. We love God, and we're thankful that God looks out for us. You know, if somebody does you good, you are thankful, right? You know, if you go down the road in your car, you know, uh, I've in driving a truck before. I've I've broke down, you know, in driving a big rig. I've had breakdowns, you know, and waited and waited on somebody to come, and I was so thankful when the repair, the repair truck showed up. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Because sometimes you might sit on the road three, four, five hours. And you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Sometimes we find ourselves in a situation and we are so thankful. You know, when we've battled something for years, you know, if we battled, a, you know, addiction, whatever it is you faced, if you battled sin, and God says, I am going to deliver you. You know, if, if, if somebody tells you, look, if you'll just talk to God, if you'll just trust Him and obey Him, whatever God tells you, whatever the Word of God tells you to do, if you do it. You know, that's what they've done here, Moses and Aaron. And I thought how that God spoke to Moses, and Moses spoke to Aaron. What if, what if, now there was unity in them, and this did not happen. There was unity. But what if somehow You know, Moses said he wasn't good at speaking. You know, Moses Moses didn't feel like he could do the job, right? Moses said, I'm not capable, God. I'm not worthy. You know, I can't do this, God. I can't talk. Bring somebody else, God, that can do this much better than me. You know, there are a lot of other people that can do things better than we can, but God wants to use somebody for a reason. That He sees something in somebody that is good. So what if, I thought, what if Moses got it backwards? What if he got tongue-tied and he said to Aaron, the wrong way. What if, what if, what if, what if? But it didn't happen because God spoke to, to Moses and Moses spoke to Aaron and the rod that Aaron used, he, he obeyed, he did it, and God's will was being done. So all these plagues, ten plagues, that, uh, that, that was brought upon them. So they, they learned to fear and believe God. Plague after plague, God shielded the Israelites. He shielded their land. You know, God made a difference between them. Right. Exodus 8, chapter 8, verses 22 through 24. 22 said in chapter uh, 8, hey, let me flip back over here 8, 22 through 24. And the Lord did so and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh. Anybody love flies? You grab what's the first thing you grab when you see a fly? A swatter. That's what we do. During the summertime, we, we've had our share of them. And I, it says uh, uh, 24. <laughs> Get distracted here. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh, and into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? In other words, Moses is saying that we're not going to do it here in this land of Egypt because. If we do that, if we sacrifice whatever animals we use, because if they use cows or whatever they use animals, these are gods to the Egyptians. And Moses said, if we do that here, these people will stone us because they're going to look at us like you're 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 killing our god. You know, you're you're doing this to our god, and we're not going to stand for it. And so Moses, you know, no doubt, you know, I feel like God gave him that insight that. Look, you know Moses. You, you you know Moses wanted to travel three days' journey into the wilderness. You know that was his intention. I'm going to run out of time here, but you know Moses was 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 was, was uh, uh, he had a wealth of intelligence which came from God. And Moses was like, you know, we're not going to do it here on this land, but we're going to go out three days into the wilderness to sacrifice because out there we're away from the Egyptians. And we can do whatever it is that we need to do to our God. We can make sacrifices, you know, of the bulls and the goats and everything, that whatever it is that we need to do, we can feel a safety in it. You know, sometimes, you know, you might be in a place and you might feel in the U.S. we have freedoms. But it might be that in a place that you watch, you know, your tongue, that, you know, you you, you just don't want to, I don't want to offend nobody. You know, I don't want to be offensive. I want to watch what I say. I want to watch what I do. Because, you know, if you're not careful, you'll offend them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, so it says in the fourth plague, God pronounced through his servant Moses in the land of Goshen where the Israelites dealt that they would be protected from the plague of flies. So God made a difference you know in other words that these flies they were only in the houses of the Egyptians they were only in pharaoh's houses in his servants houses the hebrew children there were no flies in their home and in that day i'm sure that they let out a great hallelujah or a thank you Je- well <laughs> jesus wasn't around at that time but thank you god we know who God is, you know. And today, you know, if, if they're gone, you know, we would say, thank you, Jesus. You know, there's nothing like, like to me like saying, thank you, Jesus, God, because you did it, God. But God made a difference. The The Egyptian people that they faced all these other plagues, but the children of Israel, they, they did not see it from from the fourth plague on. It was not in their homes. It was not in their houses. They didn't have to deal with the... With the uh, With the flies. And so, plague after plague, uh, you know, the the Egyptians had to deal with, and it was putting a separation. And I thought, you know, how that in the church that we are to be separated from the world. And that we are not supposed to be like, like the world. And so, there should be a separation between between us and the world, that I think the world should see us and should know that these are children of God, that this is God's people. I want somebody to realize, I want them to say that this is a child of God. You know, that God get the glory. That they can see what God brought me from. You know, these other plagues, I want to move right on quick. You know, they went, there was ten plagues. The last plague was the blood, or excuse me, the uh the blood that had to be applied upon the doorpost you know god at midnight at the midnight cry you know god told him he said you're going to kill a lamb you're going to you're going to take a sheep or you know in some he said you could take it of the goat if there wasn't enough because there was a lot of people in that day and so he said you know "A, a lamb per house or you know he said you could take it you know the first year it had to be without spot it had to be without blemish there could be nothing wrong with it. They couldn't walk funny. They couldn't talk funny. You know, when they, when they, when, when the lambs, you know, when they spoke, when you heard them. It just had to be right. No blemishes. You know, nothing wrong with them. You know, their feet, you know, they they couldn't have a limp. Because God wanted, God knew what he was going to do in the end because he was going to have Jesus Christ come and that he would be that, that spotless lamb. That Christ would die for our sin. And that he would become our Passover our blood you know it is his blood that covers us he becomes what we need and so it is he told the the hebrew you know moses told him you know like you know this is what's got to be done he said in order for god to see you know that blood when you kill that lamb he talked about him eating it you know and there'll be nothing left when you get done eating on this evening you make sure that you eat everything nothing's going to be left there's no leftovers there's no nothing you eat it, and you, you know, it said it had to be roasted. It couldn't be put in water and boiled or whatever they would done back then, but it had to be roasted. You know, the whole the whole shit, you know, if it was a lamb, it had to be put on it. it had to be roasted all together, head to tail. Everything. It had to be roasted together over fire. And so when it was done, you know, they, they would, you know, they killed it, the blood that was in it, you know, they they got the blood and they told them, said this blood. He said to take hyssop, which is a plant, and he said you dip that hyssop in that blood, and you take and you you smear it, you know, up along the doorpost. You know, he told him. He said you just you just start smearing that blood up and along the top, you know, the doorpost. And God said that when I pass through, you know, when I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. There's going to be no death come, you know, that. There was a great cry the Bible talks about, you know, at the midnight. And there was a song that came out, somebody sung the midnight at the midnight cry. You know, I can't imagine those those Egyptians that lost their firstborn, not only of their family, but also of their animals. Of the beast, you know, of, you know, it 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 it, it killed them. It, you know, so the firstborn of the Egyptians, you know, and I thought as long as the Hebrews did what they were told, as long as they done it like Moses told them, he said, you know, kill the lamb, the blood, you take and you make sure that it's smeared, and I can, and I remember there was a song that this kid would say, dad, did you, did you, did you put the blood up there, dad? Is the blood there, dad? Can I tell you that I want to make sure that blood is on my life today because whether I go by the grave or whether the rapture comes, I want Him to see the blood on me of Jesus Christ because that blood the Bible talks about, it is precious blood. It is not to be, you know, cast to the side, trodden over, walked upon. It is not something that you would just throw down. It's not trash. It's it's not something you throw outside and you just do whatever you want to do with it. This blood was precious. It was special. This man that it came from, Jesus Christ, he did no wrong, but his sin was that he was placed upon a cross. That was what was his sin was that they placed him upon that cross and it said that it was sin for somebody to be put upon a cross. So his blood was shed on Calvary. They buried him in a tomb. But thank God on the third day, he didn't stay. He came out of that tomb. And I thank God that the third day, whatever day it is, whatever day it is, wherever it is, that there's going to be a resurrection. Resurrection for me for you i believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you got to have that same hope you got to have that same belief that god if he done it for them if he done it in in egypt for the for the israelites and i believe his word that Jesus Christ the death the burial and the resurrection that I am going to be resurrected, that you are going to be, as long as we follow this Word, as long as we do what the Word of God tells us. Praise the Lord. Could we stand, please? I apologize for not getting all the way through this. But I wanted to get to the main thing. To me, the main thing in this Word is, is the blood of Jesus Christ and everything that He's done in our life. That's the most important thing. That If you, if you, if you never do anything right, I've been told that you ever been told all your life that you're stupid? That you don't know anything? That you'll never do anything right? I've been told that. And it hurt. I may walk off and I may cry. But if I ever do one thing right, I'm going to say, Thank you, Jesus. Because I I repented of my sin, God. I followed the Word of God. I got down at an altar and I prayed and I asked God to forgive me. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sin. That God would forgive me. And I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the others, not me. It wasn't in me. I can't do it in myself, but it's in Him. I trust in Him. It's His grace, His mercy. By grace are we saved, not, not of works. He said if it was of works, we would boast about it. We would say, look what I did. But I can't say that. All I can say is, look what He did. Look what Jesus Christ did. It's all right. Clap your hands to the Lord because He deserves your praise. You know, God God deserves every every bit of every ounce of glory that He gets. God deserves every praise. God deserves it. Not us, not man. Thank you very much. You're dismissed from Sunday school if you would. Just feel free to use the restrooms. We'll take about a 15-minute break.